Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Aren't you glad for technology that we can see, uh, the pastor can send us a video of things that he's doing, th- places that he's been? And I love technology. I, uh, I love the advancements of things. And I was thinking about the, uh, as you get older, you tend to go back to when I was a kid. Uh, you, ever, you're, uh, you do that now and you're, when you have kids, your kids get older and you're like, well, you're just lucky that you have that today because when I was a kid, I didn't have this. But I was thinking about some of those things and, you know, it, it almost was a rite of passage when, when, when I was a child um, of these giant steel slides. If you've never been able to go down a steel slide in the middle of summer, uh, there is something that you have that other people don't have, and that is part of your backside, because going down those slides, you lost something. And... uh, and, and even stand, just standing, I remember at our, at our school in Michigan, I remember that the slide one year, we had a small slide, and the next year we got the big slide. And today you think about that and you're like, what were people thinking when they installed this ladder that went straight up in the air for about 20 feet, and you just lined kids all the way up, and the whole way that metal bar that they gave you for safety was just literally on fire. And so you're three years old, standing 20 feet in the air, holding onto this, kids below you, kids above you, your hands melting, and you're thinking, Lord, just please help them to go faster. And then you thought you'd get on, and you get on, and it, you know, you've waited 15 minutes just to go down the slide one time, and there's a train coming behind you. You know what I mean when I say train? Not a real choo-choo train. Like this was just a group of people that decided that they're going to link together and they're going to fly down the slide. But you went down before them and you put your feet out to the sides to slow yourself down. And you're like, I'm going to stop them. And the train came and moved you along out the end of that slide. I remember having, when I graduated from college, part of my first job in ministry was to be a teacher in the elementary school. And mind you, I was 24 years of age. I was single. And I had no idea what to do with sixth grade girls, but they stuck me in a class with sixth graders. And I thought, if nothing else happens, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. And if you were to talk to those sixth graders now, they would say, we probably didn't learn anything, but we had a blast. And one of the reasons we had a blast is we had this thing called a merry-go-round. For you young people, you don't know what a merry-go-round is, but it was metal. Everything that we had as a child was built out of metal. So you melted to it. This thing was metal and it was a giant 12 foot circle. And I thought that as a teacher, it would be a good idea to see how fast I could put my sixth graders on there and how fast I could spin that thing around. They were literally hanging on to the edge, the end bar, feet fully extended. And I am just shoving this thing around as fast as I possibly can. And the only thing I remember is I hearing my teacher who was supposed to be observing me for that year, come running across the parking lot, yelling my name and stop, stop, stop. The kids were saying, go, go, go. So as she was yelling, stop, I was shoving it as hard as I could while she's, while they're yelling, go. 
it was an amazing time. But technology has changed some of that stuff. You know, technology today, things that, that are, and, and I don't, and I'm, I don't feel bad for our kids today. I'm like, oh, you're really missing something because you didn't get to go down a metal slide or you don't have this merry-go-round. I do think that there's parts of that, that uh, adventure and excitement that, were, that was exciting. But I remember in 1986, I got one of these. This is a Walkman. This Walkman not only takes cassette tapes, it also has a radio in it. So I could, when I received this, I was now, the cord was cut. I could take my music anywhere with me. And so as I was preparing for today, I pulled my Walkman out from 1986. And I was like, I need a cassette tape because there's something that, that a lot of people don't understand that you needed not only a cassette tape, but you needed one of these. If you're like, what does a cassette tape and a pencil have to do with each other? You are too young. <laughs> Some people are asking there, what do you need those two for? The cassette tape, and, and I got thinking about this. Did they make pencils to fit inside the cassette tape? Did like they measure the inside of this and like, we're gonna make a device that not only can, you can write with, but you can wind your cassette up with. But somehow they were able to make these the same size. But you needed, today kids don't need that. All of their music's on their phone. They just pull it out. They don't even need a cord from, I have my headphones that go from here to my ears that still have that foam that, that disintegrates after about six months and you find it in your ears. I still have those headphones in my box. But I, I pulled this out and I was like, now I have to find a cassette tape. And I opened it up and I realized that there's a cassette tape still in here from 1986. I can't read it. <laughs> all Night Sing. You all know what the All Night Sing is? If you were into Southern Gospel, you know what the All Night Sing was. So if you want to listen to my tape later on, I have it here. But I got thinking about technology and how much things have changed. And I don't feel bad that our kids don't have Walkmans and have to buy all these batteries for Walkmans. I don't feel bad that we have plastic slides that create static electricity that as you go down it, you get zapped every time you go over a metal button. I don't feel bad about that at all. I don't feel bad that we don't have merry-go-rounds. I don't, I don't feel bad about any of that. I, I, I'm glad that we have the technology that we do, that we've advanced. It's, it makes life a whole lot more simple. I remember going to places that I had never been before, whether it was a mall or whether it was a, a, a city or, or wherever it was, and you had, to, you had to get this paper map out. And not only did you have to dis figure out which side was up, you had to figure out where you were on that map. And then you had to try to figure out how to get there. Today, you just pull out your phone, you hit a button in your iPhone, and it tells you where you are. And then you type in where you want to go, and it shows you how to get from where you are to where you want to go. It is super easy. But I remember going to a mall, and you stand at this mall. And again, this is one of those things that many young people will never understand or get. You go to this mall, and they had this kiosk. And on this kiosk, they had this rotating thing that would go through it. And it would one, uh, an advertisement would come up, and then that advertisement would go away, and the map would come up. And you had like 23 seconds to figure out where you were and where you wanted to go before that map disappeared. And then you're like, oh, come on, map. And then it's like, you know, please, how many 
between how many advertisements between the map and the next map because you had to stand there for the next map to come back to figure out where am I and it would pop up and you'd see that little circle that says you are here and before you could figure out where you want to go that map is gone again but then they came out with these digital maps and if you go to the airport you go into the airport and they have this screen and on the screen there's this the whole map of the airport and it shows you where you are, and you can figure out from that map where you want to go. Technology is fascinating. It's awesome. But what happens is that I truly believe that we have, the need, we have in technology, we have discovered where we are, but we've not yet discovered why we are here. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could pull up a map, and it says you are here, and this is the purpose for why you are here. But they don't have that. And today, we are talking about Palm Sunday. And I'm excited to talk about Palm Sunday, not only because I think Palm Sunday is a great day, but because I really got excited about studying through Palm Sunday this week. So excited that yesterday, my wife and, and one of my daughters was home, and I came out, and they were sitting in the, in the kitchen. I'm like, hey, tell me what you know about Palm Sunday. And they're like, uh, Sundays? and palms, and Jesus, and a donkey? I'm like, yes, but there's more. What more do you know? They're like, I don't know. Like, but there's more. Tell me more. They're like, I don't know. We're just going to stop guessing. You tell us. And so I began to unload on them Palm Sunday, and I could see them just glazing over. They're like, Dad, this is way too much stuff. I'm like, I, I know, but it's super exciting that Palm Sunday is more than just Palm Sunday. Like, I remember as a kid coming to church and getting a little palm frond, and I walk out of church with my palm frond, and I am so excited that I got my palm frond. But did you know that Palm Sunday is more than just about getting a palm frond? Did you know that Palm Sunday is more than just us coming and hearing that Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, did you know Palm Sunday is about more than that? Hopefully you say no, because if you do know more than that, you're probably going to know everything I'm going to tell you. But hopefully you do, because it is exciting to hear that Palm Sunday is more than just that day that we come together. It's the Sunday before Easter. Palm Sunday is just that day we celebrate saying that Jesus came into Jerusalem. Everybody threw their coats and their clothes down on the road. Jesus that on a donkey and everybody had palm fronds and they were waving them and they were celebrating and then and then what what happened what happened after palm sunday well we know that friday that uh, jesus was crucified and we know we know next sunday that easter sunday that jesus rose again so we know that but why palm sunday what was the purpose of palm sunday I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you this morning what the purpose of Palm Sunday is. Take your Bibles, and normally we would go to the book of Mark or Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but I'm going to take you back to the book of Exodus. So open your Bibles and go back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. Now you say, I didn't realize that Palm Sunday was in the book of Exodus. It is not. But the book of Exodus tells us why Palm Sunday happened. The book of Exodus shows us what it is that Jesus did, why, this all, why Palm Sunday even happened. So if you go back to the book of Exodus, chapter number 12, and we're going to start in verse number 1. 
It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Now, just so you understand this, this beginning of months, God was not resetting the year for them. He was simply saying, This is the day that is going to be the beginning of the months for the children of Israel. He wasn't resetting the calendar. Just like if you were to say to, if, if I were to ask you, when was uh, America, when was it founded? When did it begin? You would say July 4th. So when is the beginning for America? July 4th. When is the beginning for Israel? This month right here that he is telling us about. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So they had their calendar year, but they also had the beginning of their year was this month right here. So this is exciting. Just like July 4th is exciting for Americans, this month is exciting for them. This is a giant celebration for them. Verse number two. I'm sorry, verse number three. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. So here's the celebration. This is the beginning of the, of the month. This is going to be an awesome month. On the tenth day of this month, just like July 4th, on the fourth day of July, we celebrate America. On the tenth day of this month that he's going to talk about, it is the month of Nisan, the tenth day of the month of Nisan, you are going to celebrate, you are going to choose a lamb. Are you excited yet? I'm excited about this. The 10th day of the month of Nisan, you're going to choose a lamb. So I want you to go in and I want you to pick out this lamb. And this is going to be the celebration of the Passover. So they're supposed to go in. The Passover happens when they spread the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lentil of their home. The death angel passes over. They rejoice because that, that eldest child is left alive and they rejoice. But on the 10th day, they're supposed to choose a lamb. Now that lamb was supposed to be perfect, spotless, without blemish. And they're supposed to watch that lamb. And I want you to see what they're supposed to do. We'll go down to verse number six. Well, go to verse number five. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So this is the children of Israel. They're in Egypt. And God is telling, to, telling them on the 10th day of the month, this is the first day for you. This is the big celebration. We are changing everything for the nation of Israel. On the 10th day of the month of Nisan, you are supposed to find a lamb. That lamb is perfect, spotless, without blemish. That lamb is supposed to be the lamb that you're going to sacrifice on the 14th day of the month. Are you excited yet? Are you excited yet? This is Palm Sunday. What does this have to do with the book of Exodus? I'm glad you asked. Turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11. In verse number one, it says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. 
If any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And certain of them uh, that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And when they went before and they followed, I'm sorry, verse 9, and they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about on all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. In the book of Exodus, the children of Israel began a celebration. On the 10th day of Nisan, they found a lamb. On the 14th day of Nisan, they sacrificed that lamb. And they had a Passover celebration that they were so excited to do. It celebrated the freedom that they got from Egypt. It celebrated the release from bondage that they got from Egypt. It celebrated that there was a God in heaven who loved them so much that he was willing to set them free, recognize their condition and set them free. Now, in the book of Mark, we are over 1,500 years later. And the children of Israel in this day, they were once again under bondage. They were once again under rule of somebody else. The Romans had come in in, uh, in uh, B.C. about three or four. Herod came in, not the Herod in the story of the book of Luke chapter number two, but that was his son. The original Herod came in, conquered Jerusalem. They allowed the Israelites to continue to rule their own land, but the, but the Romans were over them. So the, so the Jewish people were allowed to carry out their religious ceremonies. They were allowed to rule their people, but the Romans were the ones that were there ruling over them. In AD 3, there was a rebellion, and in that rebellion, the Romans crucified 2,000 men of the Jewish faith and put them on crosses, and they lined the streets with them. This is the era that we're looking at. The children of Israel were once again under the persecution of a, of a ruler and they were begging for God to free them. At this time, this was the Passover. The celebrations had gotten bigger and bigger. The children in, in Jerusalem at this time, the city was about 80,000 people. For the Passover, the city swelled to two and a half million people. Could you imagine there being a celebration that the Lucas County Fair is going on and all of a sudden our area goes from 80,000 to two and a half million? The number of people, the things that were going on, and one of the things that they had to do that they carried on for 1,500 years was that they would, at the end of Passover, at the Passover time, they would sacrifice their animal. There were over 250,000 sheep in Jerusalem at this time ready for sacrifice. So can you picture with me what this looks like? This is a huge celebration. This was, not, this, was, this was more than Christmas at your home. 
This was more than Easter at your home. This was a celebration. Families were getting together. People were rejoicing. People were excited about what was going on. People were, had been celebrating for 1,500 years that there was a lamb that was chosen on the 10th of Nisan, and he was going to be sacrificed on the 14th day of Nisan. And it was a picture of something that was going to come. Turn to your Bibles to Zechariah. In case you don't know where Zechariah is, it's in the Old Testament. Zechariah, Malachi. Matthew. So about four books back from where you are in the book of Mark. Zechariah chapter number nine. And verse number nine. Zechariah nine, nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly in riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. This prophecy from the book of Zechariah is saying that that one that you are looking for, the Messiah that you are looking for, that, that savior that you are looking for is going to come to you on a donkey, on that celebration time. Be looking, he's coming into Jerusalem. Be ready and watching because he is coming. If we were to look in the book of Matthew, chapter number 21, you would see the triumphal entry. And you would see that there is a crowd that is raucous about the things that are going on. If you were to look in the book of Luke, in chapter number 19, you would see that there are worshipers that are celebrating during the triumphal entry. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ coming into Jerusalem. If you looked in the book of John, chapter number 12, you would see that the disciples, and notice this, go to John chapter 12, because I think that this is important for, for you to see and for you to understand. In, in, verse number, uh, in chapter number 12, in verse number 16, John chapter 12, verse 16, it says, These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these things that were written of him. So we think that the disciples, as Jesus was riding with, on that donkey into Jerusalem, that the disciples understood what was going on. The disciples were so confused as, as to what was happening. So this day that we're celebrating, Palm Sunday, this day today, the disciples, as they were going through it, they were like, what is going on? They knew where they were. They just didn't know why God had them there. They didn't know why they were there, but they knew that they were there. They had seen the map. They knew, the, they saw the circle. This is where you are. They just didn't know why they were there. And in John chapter 11, just go back a, couple, uh, a page or so with me. John chapter 11, starting in verse number 47. You would see that the religious are worried. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. Notice the contention here. Notice the, the point of, of conflict here that the Romans, that the Jewish people are ruling their people. But they're afraid that if we let this thing get too out of control, the Romans are going to come in like they did in AD 30. They're going, to, they're going to kill people. They're going to sacrifice people. They're going to hang people on a cross. And we don't want that. 
We have to do something to control this man. The Roman, the, the Jewish religious leaders are worried and concerned. Look at verse number 40, uh, 49. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. So here we are. It is a giant celebration. Two and a half million people in Jerusalem, a town of 80,000. 250,000 lambs brought into the city ready to be sacrificed. It is a festive atmosphere. It is a joyous time. People are celebrating because they are looking back to 1,500 years ago when that first Passover happened and that first lamb was sacrificed and that first blood was put on the doorpost and that freedom was given and they saw that God came through. For 1,500 years, they have been looking forward to that day when Zechariah said that your Savior would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. It is into all of this that we see Jesus say to his disciples, Hey, go get that donkey. Because in that city there, there's a donkey that's never been ridden, and I want you to go get that donkey. And if anybody says anything to you, here's what I want you to say. And his disciples, they had no idea what was going on. They had no idea why this was happening. They walk into that city. They see the donkey tied up just as Jesus said. And they say, they start untying the donkey. Could you imagine? You come over to my house, and I'm like, hey, if you go about six doors down, here's the code to the garage of that house. Now, if you reach inside the garage door, you're going to find keys hanging. Hit the unlock button. And if anybody comes out of that house asking you, what are you doing? Just tell them the master wants it. How well do you think that's going to go for you? I don't think the disciples came trucking into that city like, hey, we're going to take this donkey. No, I think that the disciples came into that city going, I hope that donkey ain't here. Oh, there it is. Right where he said it was going to be. You pull, the little, you pull the latch. I'm not pulling the latch. You pull the latch. All right, I'll pull it. What are you guys doing? Uh, the master said we could have it. Cool. Oh, that was easier than I thought it would be. They come walking back. They have no idea what's going on. They just know that everything that Jesus had said is coming to pass. Jesus got on that donkey. Jesus had people before him. If you, read, if you read the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the triumphal entry, just before Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he comes from a city called Bethany. In that city of Bethany, there was a man by the name of Lazarus who Jesus had raised from the dead. And people came to that city to see not only Jesus, they want to see the dead man who is now back to life. And they got there and they saw Lazarus. And they saw Jesus. And it says that some believed on Jesus. There were unsaved people, non-believers who had come to see who Jesus was. 
It says that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, that there was a crowd before him and a crowd behind him that would shout Hosanna. They would lay their clothes down. There was a crowd that followed Jesus that day. (coughs) The Bible tells us there was worshipers, those that rejoiced over the fact they saw that this was the Messiah that was coming. In the book of John, chapter number 12, I want you to see this, because I think this is, this ties it all together. It helps us see not only where we are, but why we are here. In John, chapter 12, verse number 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was. Six days before the Passover. When was the Passover? This is your test. What day of Nisan was the Passover? The 14th. What is six days before the Passover? The ninth. So on the ninth of Nisan, Jesus goes into Bethany. He goes in, And he says, hey, friends, I just need some care right now. Look down at verse number 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not the disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these things, and they were written of him, that they had done these things unto him. And the people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave, raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. And the Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail. Nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. On the ninth day of Nisan, Jesus went into Bethany. The very next day, which is the tenth of Nisan. Back in the book of Exodus, when were they supposed to find the lamb? It's okay, you can talk in church. The 10th. When were they supposed to find the lamb? On the 10th. When did Jesus ride into Jerusalem? On the 10th. So we see this story back over here in the book of Exodus and we read it. We understand the Passover. We've seen it. We see Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And this, go back to the book of Mark. Go back to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number 11. Because I think this is amazing. So we think, as, as, as growing up, <coughs> I always heard that Jesus rode in Jerusalem. And for some reason, in my mind, I connected all the dots going, Jesus came into Jerusalem, and then he, the rest of the week happened. But I want you to see this in Mark chapter number 11. Verse number nine, and they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna. 
Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Verse number 11. And Jesus entered in Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. What did Jesus do when he went into Jerusalem? The lamb on the tenth, the chosen one. What did he do? Nothing. He simply had to be recognized as the lamb. He looked around in the temple and he went home. He didn't do anything. He didn't perform any miracles. He didn't say anything. He didn't go anywhere. He simply looked around and he went home. But notice the crowd did not follow him. Who'd he leave with? The 12. So this morning, I want to ask you, if I were to say, where are you? You would say, I'm here. Can I ask you why you are here? Well, it's Sunday. We always go to church. But why? Why? To worship. This morning, there was a crowd that met Jesus. That crowd, as soon as the miracles quit happening, as, Je as soon as Jesus quit being that which they hoped he would be, the crowd went away. Are we just part of the crowd this morning? There were worshipers. The worshipers, when they saw Jesus coming, they came out of the city. They were following Jesus and they, they worshiped him all the way. But just like when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he took them to a place that was a dead end. He took them to the Red Sea. And do you remember what the children of Israel did at the Red Sea? They said, why have you brought us out here to sacrifice us? Were there not graves in Egypt? And God said, just stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. What did the worshipers do in Jerusalem? They worshiped and they praised and they glorified and they said, save us. Until Jesus went into the temple and he did nothing. The worshipers quit worshiping because Jesus took them to a dead end. But that dead end was not a dead end. That dead end was not a period. That dead end was simply a comma where God was saying, you just hold on because Sunday is coming. You don't know what's going to happen yet. Will you continue to worship me even though you've come to a dead end? In your life, are you willing to worship God even though you see what is supposedly a dead end? Or when you see a dead end, are you done? I'm out. I'm not worshiping him anymore. I'm not going to glorify him anymore. I'm not going to lay my clothes down for him anymore. I'm not going to lay down palm branches for him anymore because he didn't do what I thought he should do for me. We also see in this story that there are disciples. The disciples proclaimed his power. The disciples followed him in Mark chapter 11, verse 11. The disciples said, Jesus, we are with you no matter what. Are you a disciple this morning? Are you with him no matter what? It's easy to say that until difficulties come. It's easy to say I'm with you. Until we see when Jesus was crucified and all the disciples left him. 
Are you a disciple this morning? Or are you an unbeliever? There were those who did not know Christ, who were simply caught up in what was going on. Last week, there was a, a card, a connect card that was turned in. That connect card was a young man that said, I know that I am here. I just don't know why I'm here. I can tell you where I am. I just don't know why. I called the number on that card, and that young man's here today. I called that number on the card, and I said, hey, I'd love to get together with you. Do you have any, any time? And he said, I've got tonight. I said, all right, let's go tonight. So I said, do you want to get dinner together? And he said, yes. So we went to Rusty Taco. <laughs> and God had prepared Rusty Taco that nobody else wanted to eat at Rusty Taco. <laughs> and so he and I sat in Rusty Taco, and we ordered food, and we got our food, and we just started talking a little bit. And, and I said, you said you were here. Do you know why you're here? He said, really? No. I said, let me tell you about my Savior. That one that loves you so dearly, that one who cares about your soul, that one who came and died on the cross for your sins, that one who rose again on the third day, that one that is the I am for whatever you need, that one who is the bread of life for whatever you need, that one who is the sacrificial lamb that we're going to celebrate this week, that one who is your deliverer, that one. Let me tell you about that one. And we sat there for about two hours, our food getting cold. At the end of it, he picked up his queso dip and stuck a, ch a chip in it and just like stood up like a sail. But at the end of two hours, that young man who said, I know where I am, I just don't know why, bowed his head in Rusty Taco and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Amen. Can I tell you this morning that he is worthy? Can I tell you this morning? That if you are a worshiper and you have lost your song because of problems that are going on in your life, it's time to get your song back. If you are a follower, if you are a disciple of Jesus and because of problems and difficulties, you have begun to step back away from Jesus. I tell you this morning, it's time to get back your follow. It's time to get back closer to Jesus and draw near to him. If you are lost this morning, if you are an unbeliever to this morning, I can tell you where you are. And I'll be happy to share with you why you are here. It's because there is a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He was proclaimed over 3,500 years ago. He was proclaimed that he was going to be chosen on the 10th day of Nisan. And on the 14th day of Nisan, which is coming up at the end of this week, he is going to be sacrificed because he is the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And I can tell you this morning that he is worthy. 
And this morning, if you want to receive him, if you want to know him, if you want to know that Savior who was proclaimed 3,500 years ago, if you want to know him this morning, there are people here that will share with you who Jesus is. You don't have to leave here wondering why I am here. You can say, I know I was here because I was supposed to meet Jesus. This morning, I ask you, will you reconsider this story of the Palm Sunday? It isn't just a story of Jesus, who because he was headed to the cross, rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. This story of Jesus was a story that was proclaimed 3,500 years ago that we still 3,500 years later are still celebrating and still rejoicing over and still looking to because he is my king. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.